I think I always say like the best way to learn is to teach. Yeah. So I love to to continue to learn because I want to teach new techniques and I want to evolve. I feel like everything, whether it's food or whether it's like business or whether it's anything in martial arts, it's evolving every year. There's new techniques coming out. There's new fighters coming up that are better. So I love to study fights. I love to go back and see what fighters did wrong, what they can do better, and just to continue to improve as a coach. You know, like you get these old school boxing coaches and old school people that are so set in their ways that they're not open-minded. And they even like, well, like that won't work. That won't do this. My way's the best, my way's the best. And I think to be like a really good martial artist and to just grow as a person is to be open-minded because you learn from everyone. That is Richie Van Houten team and you are listening to the Epic Table Podcast. G'day legends, welcome back to another exciting installment of the show. If you didn't know, this is the show where we help you truly unlock your human performance, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, just to get you guys on the path to help you be the best that you can truly be. Uh, I want to say a quick shout out to four people who actually visited me at Charlie Street this week from the Epic Table podcast community specifically. So Carlos, Sarah, Miguel, and I hope I pronounced this correctly, Llewellyn. Thank you for popping up at Charlie Street. It was really cool to actually take you to the studio kitchen. Uh, a lot of you have been actually asking me, do I own a restaurant? Yes, it's called Charlie Street. It's in New York City. I apologize that I haven't made that clear. Uh, but yes, so I had some guests this week who came in, had some breakfast, said hello to the staff, and um, you know, it was really, really cool. So if you're ever in New York City, do pop by. Please say hello, and we appreciate the support. Speaking of support, uh, if you are not in New York City but do want to find a way to support this show, the best thing you can do is head to wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It can be a simple five-star review. If you want to be four stars, I apologize. Let me know why it is not five. That's fine. I can fix it. Uh, and if you have a little bit extra time, please uh, write something if you feel compelled to. to you know, a little nice note. We do love reading those. We get some really beautiful you know connections through that so thank you very much to all of us who do and if you are seriously considering to help us in some way that one goes on way so i appreciate it so legends today's guest richie first and foremost great bloke he's actually a good friend of mine he's a fellow 10,000 athlete there so two double ticks but he's a boxing mma fitness coach trainer if you will and one to some of the best on the planet, including one and only Valentina Shevchenko, UFC flyweight champion. If you missed the recent Singapore bout, she defended her crown in that division, which she was there in her corner, which was really, really cool to see. He's also trained some of his who's who in the world, generally the likes of Justin Bieber, just to name a few. But it's not about just the fact that he's you know, in a physical state when he's doing this. He's doing so to really support and help him grow internally, more importantly, mentally. And that's what I really want you guys from this episode to take away. This episode is less about the physicality of what MMA and in particular the UFC uh, sport has to offer. It was really cool to break down a few things and get into this perspective of being in someone else's mental cage. Not the physical cage that you see in the UFC, 
but understand how the best way or what is the best way to deal with certain trauma, certain situations, um, encounters, if you will. And Richie's got a very present way of speaking. It was really cool because he's got such a great perspective, learning how to break individuals down through their behavioral types. So I think there's going to be a lot of messaging today in this episode that you can all relate to. But as I said, it's not about the physicality of the sport of MMA. It was really cool to understand how you can deal with certain situations given the scenario in. Speaking of using you know, the metaphor of MMA as a, as a way of encountering grief or dealing with um, what is meant to be something you're attacking head on, if you will. So I'm really excited to have Richie really get on the path. Before we do, I just want to say if you're someone who's been wanting to eat more plants but is struggling to find the time, just the means, or even what they feel is the skill set to uh, accomplish this, I want to talk about my product, Charlie Street Cherise on Bolognese. Because it's not made for people who are plant-based specifically. It's made for people who want to eat more plants. It's also made for people who want to eat tasty food and do so in a very quick and efficient manner. So if you're someone who's been looking to eat more plants and just simply needs to add that to their meal, whether it be rice, a pasta, or an existing one that has only a, a, a protein in it, I've got the answer for you. Now, this product that I made in my kitchen is simply put, just heat, stir, and eat. You can start by adding olive oil, add your chorizo in the pan. If you want to add some salsa or a red sauce, finish with some rice. If you do add chicken or eggs, you can make a little nice little shakshuka there. A lot of recipes, QR code, everything in the packet. Just want to say it is there to help you guys eat more plants. Twice the dietary fiber of any product in the category. It's also very high in protein, despite the fact that it's made entirely out of cauliflower, mushrooms, I'm talking some pretty sexy mushrooms, garlic, shallots, spices, herbs, you name it. So all real foods, all real vegetables. So if you're looking to eat more plants and you need a simple way to do that, go to charliestreet.com and you can pick up your eight ounce pouches of chorizo or bolognese that can be delivered straight to you. If you prefer Amazon, we had a massive Amazon week, our greatest yet last week. You can head to Amazon, we'll be on there as well. You can order and it uh, does all the Amazon things. As always, guys, if you do pick up a product from Amazon, please leave a review. It helps us tremendously as we continue to grow and get the world to eat more plants. It's great. It's good for the environment. It's good for you. And, uh, irrespective of if you are looking to you know, be plant-based or not, the biggest thing we talk about in this space nutritionally is to help you guys eat more plants, and this product just does that. So Richie, I know you love your food, you need some cooking in the studio today, but today is all about learning more about you and your path and how you are coaching the elite to help them get set mentally for the path in front of them. So Richie, so Richie, my man, welcome to the Epic Table Podcast. Richie. What's up? We made it happen. <laughs> welcome to the show, dude. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming across the Hudson to hang out with me today. It was tough. It was, it was tough one, isn't it? It was a long journey. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> it's pretty crazy when you think about how close that is. Yeah, there is such a oh, there's still such a nuance about it, isn't it? Like the Jersey versus the I Manhattan. Think, I think when people just realize how how close it is, it's like, wait, this only took ten minutes. Yeah, like it's easier than going a mile that way or a mile this way. Oh, no. Sometimes it's super, just easy, just yeah. convenient. But um, man, I uh, I want to congratulate you, dude. I think I love seeing my mates do really cool stuff, like I really do. Um, you know, it's, it's like, 
growing up where I'm from, it's actually something you're not meant to be typically, you're meant to bring your mates down to bring them like, you know, make sure they're not getting too beheaded. But, you know, watching, watching you continue to do what you do in your gym and then seeing you like corner someone at a pretty amazing UFC fight was like, I'm like, that's awesome. Awesome. It was so cool. No, of course, dude, of course. But it's taken, you know, you've got your, your journey is, is like this. It's like, you've got so many different aspects to your life. It's pretty amazing and phenomenal. And now you're a 10,000 10, athlete, which is really cool. So welcome to the team. Awesome. <laughs> as, yeah, uh, what, what, what would you call us? You're, you're the, uh, you start as a mixed martial arts expert, I guess, or the, the, the coach there. And now you're going to definitely do more stuff just across yeah, the brand in general. You know, I love, I think the mixed martial arts community and like when you think of a mixed martial artist, you're like universal, mm. right? Like you're good at all different things. So mixed martial arts is a mixed bag of different sports, right? It's like kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, all this stuff. So I think just being universal, not only in those, but universal just in, in every type of exercise, right? Like I love running, I love yoga, I love CrossFit. I love like just diving into different stuff and challenging myself. So yeah, I think that's just like a part of who I am. I think it's a part of a lot of martial artists like true martial arts they always like to challenge themselves and like try new things yeah i want to touch base on that because you do see this crossover of modalities to better yourself as a trainer whether it be through mobility training like yoga pilates uh finite motor work even recovery but you started out as a wrestler yeah you went to school yeah. you went to school where'd you go to school James Madison in James, Virginia. Awesome. Yeah. And so, so you, were, you got a wrestling degree, was it? Or, sorry, so a scholarship? Degree in, yeah, I got a scholarship in, in wrestling. And uh, I didn't stay with it because it was just like one of those sports that, you know, like it's so intense yeah. in, and in college level that it's like it doesn't really go too far. Sure. It's not like football or basketball where you can like make it to the pros and make a ton of money. Yeah. So wrestling, there wasn't really like an end goal. And, and unless you want to be the best in the world, an Olympic champ, it's like, it's hard to want to wake up at 5 a.m. when you're in college and every, all the other mates are like going out partying and stuff. So, you know, I, I wrestled in college. I went to school for, for wrestling. And then afterwards, I kind of, you know, I didn't, I went in different directions. Yeah. But is it because you, did you have to wear those tight is that what the reason was that's the reason why i almost stuck with it yeah fair i mean dude i'm like i'm missing out you see how the uh the fashionista situation is going on through new york right now i'm like i bet you that's going to come back someday singless is everybody walking around wrestling why do they have that honestly i I don't know what is that and i think they started like now like if you look in like high school and stuff they have shorts and like almost like a rash guard where where, like jujitsu but I think it's just such an old, ancient sport that, like, that's the tradition. So that's what it, it, like, stuck. You just never had someone step up and say, I don't think we should wear tights and yeah. a really, like, muscle tee combination <laughs> of a onesie anymore. In high school, with, like, everyone coming to watch you wrestle. Wow. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, wow. How good. And then you had these most amazing and attractive head guard. Whatever. Was that for cauliflower ears? Head guard, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, dude, it's... um. It's interesting, yeah. So you, you did leave that path for a bit. What, what direction did you take? So, like, after college, I felt like I still had so much in me. Yeah. And, I, and I loved boxing. So mm. I loved the art of boxing. And at the time, there really wasn't anywhere to go box. It was either, like, hardcore PAL, Gleason's, and Gleason's different than it is now. It was just, like, real hardcore professionals. And then there was, like, Taibo and, like, women's cardio boxing. There was nothing in between. I found a franchise from L.A. called L.A. Boxing where you had all these pro fighters teaching these classes to, like, everyday women. And then you had, like, guys sparring getting ready for fights. So I was like, this is dope. So I bought the franchise and I, I brought it to Hoboken. And, I was, and it was, like, that middle ground. 
So I was able to like bring in real fighters teaching cardio classes because you couldn't really make money in the fight game at the time. And especially with like, when I opened it, this was like 17 years ago. There weren't a lot of jujitsu gyms. There weren't a lot of boxing gyms. There weren't a lot of like, so it just was like, it needed to, there needed to be a bridge. So it was cool. Like you gave an avenue or an area where pros can actually make some money yep. teaching and you can have like a stay-at-home mom training next to a pro fighter. That's right. And, you know, people can scale up and they can actually learn technique rather than just doing cardio stuff. So, yeah, so I got into that. And then as people just started calling and being like, hey, I know you guys have jiu-jitsu and a fight team. Do you have any fighters? And I'd be like, yeah, I'll fight. So then I just started taking fights, like amateur fights. And then I went professional and then... That was it, yeah. Uh, dude, and I you, started coaching people. You, you so. just you just have a massive like. I feel like your period of life, which is probably like four or five years, just was very much a, a click moment with your fingers. So we need to dive in there. We need yeah. to dive in. But also, I want to take note of something that you and I were discussed today. Is your age? I want people to have a guess <laughs> as an asset that we can use to create this as a promo. Guess how old Richie is. <laughs> I'm gonna put some captions. That's gonna be too funny. All right, so. What I want to know is you, you bought this franchise. Yeah. And I'm assuming you had some sort of business background. Yeah, I can write a book on how I opened the gym. Oh, wow. Like crazy. I was 23. I opened the gym on the waterfront in Hoboken in like a huge building with like a business plan I wrote up. Like and on a napkin gave, yeah, situation? Crazy. Wow. Crazy. They gave me it. Right. We paid, I paid the franchise fees. I paid the security deposit and I paid like the first 10 grand for the contractor. And I had like a hundred grand in the bank account from like loans, family, like and my business partner at the time. And I lost it all in a Ponzi scheme. And I quit my job, like it was crazy. What do you mean you lost it all? We, I invested in like my friend at the time was like, listen, my dad has this transaction going on. You're gonna make all this money. And so I was young and gullible and I thought I could make money quick. And it was like a get rich quick scheme. I was like, let's do it. Boom. I put. 75 in and the guy's like hey we have another round we can put more in and my business partner time's like let's put it all in so we put it all in and lost it all 100k just like that 110k at like 23 quit my job looking to open this gym and like yeah i mean i begged bar and stole to get that place open but i knew like i was passionate about it so i knew like once i opened the doors it'd be a success it just it was a journey to get there so what what was it about this concept that like you like you I, I know you man so i know you're a passionate guy yeah so i'm trying to put aside the intrinsic aspect of you for a second here what did you see in this concept that made you yeah okay i've got this i want to do this what was it? first the gym yeah i think it's just i've always had a heart for people and helping people sure and i found like there's a little gap in that space right there's like a gray area where there was like those two different types of gym and i knew there was this was something I was passionate about and I can help people and I can help fighters like make some money because it was hard to make money as a fighter still mm. is. So I feel like there was like this little gap there and I was like, man, this is this is where I see my future. And I, I saw a vision and I just like ran with it. And there was like even losing all that money. I just knew like it would it would happen. It would be a success. So you have at the time a pretty unique model because on one one hand, you're, 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 it's a great branding opportunity to get the great fighters in yeah. to be the coaches. You're supporting them. So you create this pretty nice community of people where it's like you set the bar pretty solidly in the actual gym itself, but yeah. also you're supporting the people so they're wanting to come back. 
Did that just come naturally or did you think about it? Um, yeah, I think it was just a natural thing. I think when you lead from the front and you just like are in the mix and you're just like, I was just happy to be there and mm. happy to teach and like I had fun, you know, like you can't learn that stuff in college. You know, like when you start a business, it's like you learn on the fly, but if you're yeah. passionate about something, it's just contagious. So people wanted to be in the gym and even though we were a franchise, like we were different than all the other gyms. People that came by were like, the culture here is just different. Sure. So, I mean, I'll touch on that in a little bit, but yeah, I'm opening up a new gym called yep. Culture. Yep. And it's around that, just being like, you know, no egos, just like come in, train hard, and you know, everyone just wants to get better and, and better together. So I think it's, it's uh, yeah. Dude, I've seen the space. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get my ass kicked out. What's that? I'm excited to have yeah, you in dude, there. Yeah, dude, it's gonna be sick. So we've got, okay, so you, you've got this gym going, you got a pretty cool model, and then, did the competitive person within you want you to start fighting? Or was it just like you were naturally in the gym and around these people and seeing the the willingness to want to compete? I felt like when I quit wrestling in college that I still had a lot in me. Okay. And I felt like I let myself down. Sure. So I felt like I needed to do something and I felt like that was the next step. And I always say like you can't be a, a tour guide of a place you've never been. So if I wanted to be a coach for MMA, like I have to get in there and fight. If I want to be a coach for boxing, I have to get in there and box, right? So um, I just, I wanted to get, I wanted to get into it. I still had like that fire in me to like show that I could do more. And uh, I knew what I could do in the room. So I just needed to prove it outside. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I think MMA and boxing and, and just competing in general shows really yourself who you are as a person right like when you get challenged or when you get tested like what comes out of you do you go or do you like fold and i felt like you learn so much about yourself so i just love that aspect of it so i wanted to compete you know i got hurt and injured and i and i focused on more of the business side of it but you know in that i just continued to always want to be involved with the sport and help people so Sick. so you've got this okay so you I'm, I'm, I'm interested in you as the athlete now. So you've, you've got this business going. You as the athlete, how did you go? Like, were you decent in the ring? Yeah, I mean, I was undefeated. I had a few amateur fights and a pro fight and won them all. And I felt like I would have continued to win them all just because okay. I know my work ethic and, like, where I was talent-wise. But, um, yeah, I mean, and then I then I decided after to, to get my black belt in jiu-jitsu. So I, the last, like... I think eight years, I just really focused on, on training jujitsu. So I stepped out of my space, even though we, we trained and had instructors at my gym, and came into the city every day for six years and trained on this guy, Marcelo Garcia, who's like the GOAT, they call him. And so I just put the time in and just got my black belt in there, competed in jujitsu. So. Wow. Dude, I want to I put, put everyone in the gym with you, like in the cage for a second. <laughs> Because this I'm is old, bro. no, no, no. Like, like I'm being like, as in, put us in the space of when you walk in and you're about to fight someone, and you're a nice guy. And this is what's so interesting about the space is it does have this unfortunate um, stigma. Any fight does yeah. boxing, you know, Thai boxing, mixed martial arts, whatever it is. You meet all these people, and there's a lot of the, the media rigmarole that goes around with like trying to promote the fights, and especially these big media things. It's it's interesting. Like, you're a genuinely awesome dude. But when you get in the cage, you're there to like, you have a job to do for yourself or you're there to compete. And because of the nature of the sport, it can, it brings out another side in you. Yeah. 
And so I want to understand, first and foremost, what is going through your head at that moment in time? Are you, are you shit scared? I think like with anything in life, if, if there's something tied to it with a big reward, there's nerves, right? So like whether it's speaking, public speaking, or it's presentation, or it's going on a roller coaster, like there's nerves going into it because you care about it and yeah. you want to win and you want to perform well. And there's also the risk that you could get knocked out, something can happen. So of course there's there's nerves going in, but I think you program your brain in your in, in your training to like, it's it's funny leading up to fights, you're nervous the day of, you're calm. And like, you're, you're nervous when you're walking in, but like, it's already like, it's too late. You're like, you're ready to go. Yeah. So you like have this switch and it's funny, I, you know, you watch like Kobe Bryant, he switched to Mamba. And I feel like when people get in the cage, they almost have to like switch their personality, switch who they are and like, and just it's, it's go. It's like kill or be killed. Honestly, man, it's like the way that I, I this is, Go back to that point of like the split personality in a way. And like, I mean this respectfully for people because you see these athletes, yeah. particularly on TV, and people perceive them to be that way in life. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like, if you see someone on the field with a helmet on or whatever it is, they can, that's not who they are necessarily. Like, they could be, <laughs> but like, majority of the time, they're actually really lovely people. Yeah. But because they're in a competitive environment, you know, if you put someone in a competitive environment, they're going to be aggressive. So like you take them away from that and you put them in, you know, a restaurant situation or whatever and they're with their family, they're generally lovely people. But it's very interesting, like the, the instinct of killing. And I, kill. I feel like when you're saying like how there's a stigma with fighting and, and boxing and stuff and then you meet these people and they're calm, I think it's like when you know something, mm. you don't know what other people know. And you just like, you don't want to engage in fights because it's not worth it, right? It's like, I don't know. I feel like the more you know the less you get involved with it. Totally. it's just not like, it's not worth it. It's a sense of maturity so, and wisdom comes yeah, from the right. So, okay, and have you been knocked out before? I haven't, I've been rocked, Okay. but I haven't been knocked out. I've been put out in jujitsu, cool. like in training. Submission? Like I've, been, I've been put out cold where I woke up and didn't know where I was, but sure. um, I haven't been TKO, I've been knocked out. Okay, so have you ever been to a position where you've had to tap even in training? Like oh, I mean. All the time? Yeah. So old, uh, this is the this is an interesting one. Like I'd love to use this as a case in point for life, where tapping is this mental more 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 than physical, yeah. right? Because like how much can I endure versus how much am I going to potentially break myself to still not give up? Yeah, and find a way to either get out of it or still just come to terms with the fact that there is a way to still get out of it. So for you, are you? Would you consider yourself a better boxing, a better boxer than you are a, a grappler, or you vice versa? I don't know. I think kind of mixed. Okay, you know, like it depends. I mean, what I'm training more so, but um, yeah. I mean, I love grappling, and I love, I love the concept of grappling. I feel like there's, like you're saying, like tapping, right? Like tapping too soon, and I think it's, it's, there's so many things that go with jujitsu and in life, right? Like some people tap too early, then they can't really find their figure their way out. And then, and I always say like, tap me once, but you're not gonna tap me twice with the same thing. Cause then you have to figure out what happened and why that happened and then get better at it. So I think it's just like, you know, it's, um, there's a lot of similarities between like, just like real life situations and jujitsu and just trying to figure them out and get better, 
you know, and just show up. When you tap, do you think that you could have, as soon as you tap, is that moment going, oh, I could have held it for a bit longer? I think at first, like when I tapped, it would be like, you'd have to kill me type thing and I would have an ego. Um, And then I'd be like angry. And I think the more angry you get, the more energy you expend. Right. So then like, and you go out like with anger, you're leaving yourself open. So you, it, it's it's crazy because you need to find like this calm, this balance. Even with fighting, like you get into a cage and you're getting into a fist fight, but you need to be calm, relaxed, so you can see what's going on, and then also be assertive to like attack when there's openings. It's really interesting you say that when you look at the balance between sympathetic versus the parasympathetic nervous system and our natural reaction to want to unleash in a you know, say a situation doesn't go your way or someone yeah. confronts you, um, not not necessarily in a boxing match or whatever it is, but you get frustrated by something and you respond with rage. It's not as if you actually, you're not thinking about this to come to resolution. You're thinking about just defending yourself. Yeah. And so as a result, the, the link between your parasympathetic nervous system and the ability to relax and think and have the norepinephrine, the focus, um, you know, the, these, these focus neurotransmitters to really do their job, are then highlighted. So I think the, what I'm trying to say is the ability for you to actually calm yourself down in that time, whether it be physically being in a strainful position or emotionally you know, in a, in a confrontational situation, the ability to relax yeah. is so important for the next so step. Important. And I think that's what they say. It's like being calm, right? Like in uncomfortable situations, like when you're under stress, like being able to breathe and figure out how to get out of it rather than freaking out because you freak out you're going to get submitted you freak out you're going to get tired you're not going to be the last the end of the round or the end of the class right so it's like or the end of a fight so you know you really just need to kind of stay present and relax and try to like figure it out so it's it's such a mental sport um just mixed martial arts in general and mma like i mean jujitsu or whatever aspect you're doing it's so mental you know because some people get themselves so hyped up and they get tired super fast, you know, or they go out and they are too aggressive and they get caught. So it's like, you have to find this balance and, and it's hard. Like even as a coach to try to find each fighter and be able to talk to them in a certain way and see what clicks and how they can like calm down. So like as a coach, it's tough, it's tough. So on that, man, let's talk about being the coach because you're right, like you do have to understand the behavioral type of the person you are coaching, educating, teaching, and understand the best ways to get them lit up and motivated and get the best out of them. And each person is different. Some people are shy. Some people need that eye of the tiger battle, you know, before a match. Um, And this, again, plays into just existence of life when you're managing a team or with your family, like understand the best ways to get out your friends. So for you making, like, you're already in this world of coaching but did you ever find yourself like mid-fight having like I, I'm always interested in that because for me watching a fighter it's very typical like just see them yelling and going do this do that like is there ever a position where you're like actually the best thing for me to do right now is just shut up and let them do their thing I think it's you want to be a calm voice so they can hear you okay because like I think even in a fight with all the screaming around you hear the most familiar voice yeah. and you understand you can listen to it so you try to be calm and even in the corner, right? Like you have that minute time to like get your heart rate down and calm. So like you don't want to be screaming in, in someone's face unless it's like the last round and they need to wake up and they need to go. 
but for the most part it's just like trying to give them precise you know like direction on what to do um in the fight so they can hear you and they can understand and they can perform um i mean but yeah i'm you look at five people and do five case studies on how they got ready for their fight what they did fight week and they're all different you know some people like valentina for instance like she doesn't smile the whole week or fight week because she doesn't want to strain the muscles in her face so she's so focused that she's just like wow. she doesn't talk unless like it's really important she just like conserves her energy but then there's other people that want to go to the movies they want to hang out with their mates they want to like go out and get their mind off it. So it's like everybody handles fight week different and they handle like pre-fight different, whether they're like sleeping and they're relaxing, listening to calm music, calm themselves, or they're listening to hype music like and watching Rocky all day. Like everybody does it a little different. So it's like trying to understand that, understand their personalities and then just kind of going with it, you know? What's your like most memorable moment as a coach? Oh man, I don't know, it's tough. You know, you have like, being in the corner for Valentina where it's like so electric and it's crazy and you're walking out and you're like, whoa, she'll be like co-main event and she'll win. It's like, it's crazy. But then you also have like amateurs who you've trained up since they're little or younger and, and they win. And uh, it's, it's the same. I feel like it's like the two seconds after they win and that like electric feeling that like you can't explain. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what keeps bringing people back. So the sport is the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You lose and you get knocked out, you feel like you're in the bottom of the world. You win, like there's nothing like that in any other sport because you're not looking to anybody but yourself. And it's just different because it's such a animalistic sport where you're like, you're killed or be killed, you know? So I think it's, it's a different rush that that's why people, like even Conor McGregor, he still wants to fight. He has so much money but he's never going to be able to get that fix and that endorphin fix from anything else. So he's like, going to always have to come back to it and always prove it. It's very like, uh, it is, it is a very lonely position because on one end you are someone who, if you win, you, the world is at your face. Yes. Like you have, you got media coverage. You feel like the training you've done is, and you put all this hard time and yeah. work in. If you lose, you get no, you get minimal spotlight. You're, you're like you're in a terrible mood. Yeah. You're physically just like if you win, you're physically destroyed. You won, so it doesn't matter. But if yeah. you if you lost, you go, I just got beaten on national television, and I got to go home and just yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, right. And you have all these people that support you, but also in the fight game, like you need a strong support system because people like that, like why are you doing this? Why are you getting in there? It's not enough money, or it's not this, and like. So it's hard. Like I always say, as an athlete, you have to be super selfish. You have to focus on yourself. You have to focus on your training. You have to focus on your nutrition. You have to focus on everything for you. And then when you become a coach, you have to be completely selfless. You have to focus on just your athletes, just the people around you. And I felt like I thrived more in that. Like I've, I feel like I've always had a heart for people and wanted to help people. So even though I loved competing, I, it's, it's hard for me to be super selfish and I always just wanted to give. So I feel like I'm in the position that I'm meant to be in now. Um, and I love it, like I love helping people. And so that's why like, even with my gym, even if it's like stay at home mom that comes in and learns some, get some confidence from boxing, like that fuels me, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, just FYI, I'm gonna get my ass kicked. I'm gonna go to the gym, <laughs> we're gonna shoot some content and uh, yeah, it's gonna be, 
It's going to be interesting. I did get to uh, Junior Black Belt in Taekwondo. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But I feel like it's nothing compared to the different variety of things. And Well, you played rugby, right? What right. were you? Yeah, I was a flanker and a, and a nine. So what's a flanker do? So, yeah, exactly. It's like, Tell me. Yeah, well, we were saying this, like, I'm a loose forward, right? I'm actually small for a loose forward, but I was big for a number nine. So they're two different positions. This is so foreign for me. But, like, I used to... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, nothing something. about rugby. Yeah, this is the... By the way, for all those... Listeners who are American, this is the one without pads. No, we don't wear pads. This, this, no, pads. No, no pads. No pads. Um, but yeah, so my job is to actually pilfer or take the ball, like get to my feet quickly and be you know, first to what they call a ruck, pick the ball up and, and run. But in that position, you're definitely wrestling a lot. So we, we did a lot of work in our training where we'd actually do grappling and wrestling and, and find little tricks to remove the ball easier or like pin people's joints in ways that would make them uncomfortable um, so the key is what to hold the ball and run to the end. Yeah. So the idea is to score, uh, so score more you points. Can pass it you can pass it. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So we'll get you playing it one day, dude. Dude, have you seen that documentary on Netflix with the people, the teams like in uh, Italy, and it's like all-out fights? Oh, like dude, the, like, that's the that's kind of like man, rugby, but like yeah, a little yeah, bit, exactly. right? yeah, but, but they're like throwing blows. <laughs> that's like where rugby meets hockey, where you can have still you seen it. Yeah, they're all like crazy. Up and it's, they just yeah, like it's crazy. It's in Tuscany. They pay nothing in September every year. They, they do I want to go. <laughs> Should we go? <laughs> I'll be I'll be your coach. How's that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to do it. I'm not trying to break it off. These guys but freaking they, they, They're crazy, man. Like, that's that's the thing though. Like that's what lights them up, right? Yeah. This is what lights them up. And you know, go back to your point. It's like you think you found your your position now as a coach. You get so much reward and, and fulfillment out of that, especially going through the journey you've had and you've gone from. You know, wrestling to <laughs> wrestling to no longer wearing the wrestling kit uh, <laughs> to be in the boxing space or the you know that 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 tie space, and then like for you to grow into this position and go, you know what? I've realised that coaching is actually what what I love to do. It's a pretty unique position because you're still like young, right? On the younger side, yeah, yeah of, of coaching, right. So, like, sport. for you to be in the position you're right now and recognize that is pretty unique. So, when you kind of like finish a fight or you you see someone achieve success, how are you staying motivated to make sure that they can be even better? Because it's one thing for them to do it as a coach. You've got to constantly find ways to not be the one who is getting all the accolades yeah. and still be motivated. Does that make sense? I think it's, um, I think I always say like the best way to learn is to teach. Yeah. So I love to, to continue to learn because I want to teach new techniques and I want to evolve. I feel like everything, whether it's food or whether it's like business or whether it's anything in martial arts, it's evolving every year. There's new techniques coming out. There's new fighters coming up that are better. So I love to study fights. I love to go back and see what, fighters did wrong, what they can do better, and just to continue to improve as a coach. You know, like you get these old school boxing coaches and old school people that are so set in their ways that they're not open-minded. And they even like, well, like that won't work. That won't do this. My way's the best. My way's the best. And I think to be like a really good martial artist and to just grow as a person is to be open-minded because you learn from everyone. So I like to watch I like to watch fights now to study, to study the footwork, study the distance, study the range, study how people get knocked out, study like how people got out. And then I like to try to implement it and see how we can put it into like practice. Cause some things that I teach, some of my fighters not might not use, but it, if they could take one thing away and implement it into their game, it's awesome, you know? That is crazy good, man. And so have you earmarked any like up and coming 
athletes always got Valentina when, when she needs your help. Yeah, I mean, I have a few, you know, up and coming pro fighters that, are, you know, and amateurs that are going to start making waves. And I think as my gym evolves and we grow into this new, this new space, we're going to be bringing on like a, a big fight team and some big sponsors and it's going to be good. So that's sick. I'm man. looking forward to that's that. That's awesome, yeah. dude. When it comes to your actual, you know, the, the I guess the, you've got this whole plethora of athlete development, right? So you've, you've definitely gone through the phase of like the one-on-ones and now you're looking at like branding out to that position and you've got to be very specific on how you can give time to each one because each person's so different. Like yeah. the way you train one person's, like, are you going to be selective and, and like as a coach, It's right? hard too, right? Because I have a lot going on. Yeah. And as I'm building a team, there can be fights every weekend. Sure. Right. And then it's like travel, spending time with my wife, like what fights to go on. So I think it's really important to to bring on the right team, right? The right people and support system, the right other coaches that support me and like and we're we all align with the same vision. Um, and then building a good team structure. So that way the team these guys can train together, they can help each other, they can help each other grow. And it's like just building that culture where like if I can't make it, they can. Like someone else can. Um, so yeah, I mean, special attention. I think right now, like our fight team's kind of small, so I can do that. Mm. Um, and I think when I see other big fight teams, it's tough because the head coach never really gives anyone a lot of special attention. So I'm trying to figure out between like small, big, and where I can be able to give my attention that they still feel like they're getting enough out of me. And I'm still giving them you know, everything I can. So if you if you look at the sport you're in, what would you say is one of the things that people don't realize that does cross over into everyday life? So like if you're a if you're an everyday legend right now who's not an athlete per se, but yeah. still works out, and if they're gonna rock up to your gym, what are they what skill are they gonna learn within the MMA environment that they could take into their I think life? something that's like just like on such an up right now, incline, and I think people like white collar, blue collar, any day, you know, women, kids, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I think it's such a good sport that people can get in, learn confidence, learn how to defend themselves, and and help them try to figure things out on their own. Not only just like in the practice learning stuff, but every person you go against is a different body and is gonna give you a different reaction. So you might learn a move, try it, it might work on one person, the next person does something different. So now you have to like try to combat that and come with a different answers. So I think like jujitsu like translates so much in life just on like getting back up, learning how to, like how you deal with with a loss and getting better and figuring out how to solve it, you know? So that's like ultimately it and like and working hard. Like the only way to get to a black belt in jujitsu, like all old stuff. Karate, Taekwondo, when we were kids, you get a black belt like in a few years. Whoa, dude, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> come on. Sorry, I got you. How long black. did it take you? <laughs> Took me a few years. <laughs> but like, yeah, okay, cool. But. Okay. <laughs> but Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, when you get a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, it's like very respected because it takes 10 years. What? 10, 10 years? 10 years. From like a good school. And that's showing up minimum three days a week. So, so most guys that compete, they train six days a week two sessions a day. But for the average person going in training, they need to show up three days a week minimum for like 10 years to get a black belt. So the discipline of just showing up every day, no matter how you feel, no matter like how you did the like last practice, it's just showing up in training. 
So I think it's just like in life, like no matter how you feel, you got to show up. Yeah, show up's a big one. Just being there, being yeah, present. Once you get there, like you could turn it on. Okay, so go back, like, I want to understand this for a second. How does it go? Is it like white belt, blue belt, red belt, is it? White belt, blue, purple, brown, then black. So each belt, there's four. you get four stripes. Yeah. And it should be, it depends on the system and the coach, but um, most places are you get a stripe every like six months. Okay. And that's if you did like 72 classes. So I think it comes out to like three classes a week. Wow. for those six months to get a stripe. Wow. Then you get four stripes and then you get to the next belt. So obviously if you're competing and you're coming every day and you're winning stuff, it accelerates. But for the most part, that's like standard. What? Yeah, so it's crazy, man. Oh so like, God. and you get this blue belt syndrome, people get promoted to the first belt and then they kind of like, oh, I did it. And then they quit. So to get the black belt, it's like you really had the discipline to just show up. And do you have to be careful in your opinion around like the age of development in this sport? Or do you think it's something that should, should be open-minded towards all ages? It's all ages. Yeah. I think it's like every little kid should do it. Yeah. I think Kelly Slater said it like um, the surfer. He was like, if there's one thing I would have my son do or kids do, it's jujitsu. Is that a coordination thing? I think defense? it's a discipline thing. Okay. I think it's like showing up in, in a respect thing and then also learning how to defend yourself. You sure. know, like, if I had a little girl, I'd put her into it. Would I want her to do like kickboxing or MMA? No, but like jujitsu, she can learn how to defend herself mm-hmm. against somebody that might attack them. And she's learning the discipline of just showing up, like being respectful to like your coaches and, and your training partners. All right, Richie, so I'm coming to your gym. I've never trained or done this thing before. Do I have to be a first like, is there physical prowess or mental stability that you look at me before? you assess whether or not I'm ready to be in your gym? No, I mean, I think everyone comes. It's like, you know, everyone's welcome and there's everything scalable, right? Yeah. So it's like, what are your goals? What are you interested? What do you want to do? What do you want to learn? If it's like jujitsu, you know, get you started on the foundation of it. If it's like boxing, we start from the ground up, like footwork, keeping your feet underneath you and then learning how to like punch and step at the same time. And yeah. Dude, you know? I've been watching your Instagram reels about like you shadow boxing oh man i honestly <laughs> am I, I, just like you know what like i think my algorithm for you would be so good because i just have you on repeat you know like so it goes you, you say your thing yeah. on your instagram and then it loops back around again so by the first time i've done it i've come back again i'm like oh cool so the f- thing you did one like last couple of days is like yeah. someone comes at you at the legs oh, you push you block, him, you yeah, block push him down back come back and step back yeah. and come forward i'm like cool so if anyone ever comes with my legs again i'm good you should have framed um, <laughs> The homeless guy in the streets. Oh man! I tell you what, yeah, it's like I, you know, I think that's why. I think that's why to me it does appeal to people to have that understanding of defense. You know, being yeah, being a dude like you know, I guess an athletic guy. I'm not in any way concerned, but um, it's like it's interesting to 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 see that and hear how much it really does help people. And I think the biggest one's confidence. Yeah. Just confidence, you know, to be in situations that maybe elsewhere you wouldn't have felt the ability to look after yourself or just stand up for yourself and things like that. So, and that's why I think jujitsu is such a good entry level thing for everybody to do because it's not like I would feel bad knocking somebody out on the street, right? But if I put them to sleep or like held them till like someone came and like and restrained them until someone like the cops came or something, then then it's okay. 
You know, like I don't want to break somebody's arm. I don't want to like put them out cold unless they did something to like a friend or a loved one, right? Then yeah, it's, like, sure. it's different. But um, yeah, I think like jujitsu can give you the confidence of like, you know, you see people, I see these things on online like all the time, like guys fighting in the street or like these dads fighting like at the bowling alley, like whatever. And I'm like, how are these guys even fighting each other? They don't even know how to throw a punch or like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, how do you even have the confidence to want to fight somebody? Like, must be like the booze. I don't know. I don't know, man. Something in the water. But what I will say, man, is that you, you, you did touch on something. It's actually interesting. Like, putting someone to sleep, and it's not something that, you know, I've ever done myself. As I say, I've never wrestled. But, like, do you know when you've got them in the position and they're, and they're like, you, you've got them? Yeah, because, I mean, you're choking, you're choking them. Right. So you can feel them, like, fighting, resisting, and then... They do flop. They just go yeah, complete flaccid. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so that's like you're cutting off the circulation to effectively their yeah. brain, right? That's what's happening? Yeah. Okay. So it takes them a second. So typically you like, if they're on the ground, they're out, you lift their legs up. So like the, the blood flow would just go to the brain. So would this happen in training? Yeah. It's happened a bunch of times. Wow. So you do, and then all yeah. of a sudden you just know what to do. You just. Yeah. You, like it, when it happened to me the one time, I was kind of like, but I knew like I had a few more rounds to go. Yep. So I was like, like ready to go. And I was like, wait, I just need a minute. I said this Wait, like training you, partner. Saying I, I popped up. I'm like, I looked at the clock. I like went for like the next like few seconds. I'm like, I was kind of dazed. So I was like, wait, I might need a second to go to the bathroom and get some water. And I was like, I, I need a second. He's like, yeah, yeah, you were just put out. And I, but I like knew where I was. I knew like what was going on, but I was just like out of it. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. I've been knocked out rugby before. And it's not good. Like you, you concussion wise. Yeah, like you, 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 you're effectively in a position where like you, it goes black, and then you wake up and you just people staring at you. And it's happened a couple of times. And like you get to the position where, you know, I, I was just growing up. I was a small guy yeah. playing on a team, and now I'm, I had a late growth spurt. But at the time, I was tiny, right? It's so like I'd be tackling these like dudes who hit puberty way before I did. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I was the same. Yeah, I right. had like five concussions playing football when I was oh, man. I was small and I was just like ram with my head and I'd be like, where am I? Like wake up, like blacked out completely. But like, that's the thing. I, 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 I think the mixed martial arts situation is unique in the sense that it's not expected to, but throughout training, I'm sure you're putting yourself in a position to kind of get expected to do that, right? Oh, yeah, obviously we even, we even do like, situ- like with the pro training, we do situational stuff, like where people are on your back with a choke in. And like you have to try and get try to get out of it. Wow! So like you tap like last resort, you know. But sometimes it's you think you have a little bit longer than you do, so you might go out. Okay. You know. So, but I mean, it's it's part of it. It's part of like learning. Okay, maybe I need to like grab this hand or do this or position myself or get my back to the mat or worry about their feet. So like, you know, it's things that you go home. Like people spend so much time on YouTube now. And that's like the crazy thing about now. Like you can find techniques on Instagram, on YouTube. Like you can learn on your own, like at our fingertips. Dude, I look, just putting it out there, there's, there's, you've now added to my list of things not to you know, learn from YouTube. Number one is changing your brake tile. Don't ever look at YouTube and think you can do that. I'm just putting it out there. Number two is jujitsu. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> You're not gonna learn? Dude, I'd rather come to you and be like, teach me, as opposed to me thinking like I'm looking at technique on a video and think I know what I'm doing. You'd be surprised. Some people are good like visual learners. Oh, I know. I've got a whole recipe thing going on about it. But like... (laughs) 
<laughs> but far and like like that's the thing. It's I, I do love the fact that we can now watch videos and have access to it. But I do think there's a level of coaching that still needs to take place in order to accurately execute the techniques. Yeah, because I mean, you could be doing something like creating bad habits, right? Totally. So I think it's key to like make sure you have a good foundation like in anything. So, Bro, so we've talked about like this is what's, I, I think what I really was excited to get you on for, man, is like obviously champion you for a second. But I think there's so many parallels in this modality of um, athleticism that really do cross over into everyday life. You, one of these ones you about to, you kind of we touched on is like this. They could also they can also always be a way to get out of something. Yeah. So like you know looking at opportunities, constantly practicing, testing. Um, you know you've got to show up for yourself. These are the mentalities that I know I love and live uh, to get by. At the end of the day, it's like you can have an amazing coach, but if you don't show up to do the job yep. yourself. It's like the coach isn't going to push your arm around for you. You've yeah. got to be the one moving. Yeah. Um, so like I've, I've got a lot of respect for all athletes and now especially UFC fighters and MMA fighters that get into these cages and they have to transcend a whole level of mental stability to be in there. Like watching, watching what's the Aussie's name? Volkanovski? Volkanovski. Dude. Beast, bro. He's one of my favorite Now number one pound for pound fighter in the oh, world. Beast. Wow, what a guy. Legend. Cool guy, too. Like, what a great guy. Is he tiny? He looks he's short. Yeah, he's only like, I think, 5'5". Five five, but, but he's just a tank. tank. Just goes. Just yeah. absolute beast. So what is what is that? Like, obviously, you got the gym opening up, man. How long until how long the gym opens up? Probably early spring. Sweet. Like next year. Wow. Yeah, maybe early, like, like next year. Early. Okay. So we'll get out there, have some fun. Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be some times. What else you got going on, dude? Like, what's coming out so, that you pump by? Um, yeah, just continue to grow and learn as a coach, right? I think I'm, I really love learning about the mental aspect of it and um, just helping motivate people. Like, I think helping them find their why yeah. and discovering, like, why they're getting into it. Yeah. And so, because, like, it's a tough sport, and so I think – you need to always remind yourself why you do it and who you're doing it for. And it has to be something outside of you. So it's like if it's they want to eventually open up a gym or they have kids and they just want to be a good example, whatever it is, I think it's like you need to really dive into that and the, the mental aspect of it. So I love like learning that part of it as well. Not only just like the skill set, I think the mindset plays such a big role. So like just always like growing myself so I can help grow others and being being a young coach dude like there's there's guys that are with athletes for a very long time you've obviously been a part of a world title defense were you with her when she first got a title as well no so i've been with her last five fights right so last and I, she just won for her seventh which she beat ronda rousey's record for most title defenses that's for a female that's yeah, yeah. awesome so so is there any interest for you to ever like like, would you ever be super committed? Or is there any, like, excitement to take an athlete who's never been a f- title? Holder? Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's my dream and what I really want is to create a team and build some of these fighters up from, like, nothing to being in the UFC and, like, have a system and a program where we're, like, developing champions, you know? And, and also, like, teaching them outside of fighting what they can do, you know? Like other avenues to make money, other avenues to like, to grow their brand. Cause I think like 
people need to start like working that aspect. I feel like a lot of, not a lot of athletes in the MMA community know how to really work their brand and build it so they can make money. It's a tough sport to make money in. Yeah. So like, it's not like one of these, you know, you get into the UFC, you're making like, I think it's like 10 and 10, 10,000 to fight, 10,000 to win. What? So you fight like three times a year and say you win all those, it's still like, then you're, yeah, then you're giving management, you're giving promoters, you're giving money away. Wow. You end up not making much. So it's like, you know, you see Jake Paul, like as much as people want to hate on him, like he's petitioning a lot to like get UFC fighters to get paid more. And like a lot of these people are starting to take fights outside and do boxing and do like different, like bare knuckle boxing is becoming huge because they're paying more money mm. than UFC. So I think there needs to be like a pay structure increase in the UFC, but I also think there's other avenues for people to make money if they can build their brand up properly. So, so that's one thing I'm trying to work on as well. Like as I grow my brand, I'm learning to try to help see how I can help these athletes grow their brand. Just want to touch base on that for a second. Cause like there is, there's always going to be a pay imbalance. Like yeah. of the best athletes in their given sport, there's always, you know, the best, the best getting paid as much as they are. So you're talking like you got, you got the prelims, then you got, yeah. you got the, how, how, what's the order go? You have early prelims. Yeah. Then you have prelims. Yeah. Then you have the main card. Main card. So how much <laughs> would a main card? Is that 10 and 10? Main, no, main card, like, you know, a lot of people have their first contract and that might be, you know, three or four or five fights. And yeah. that might be like an increase of like, whatever, maybe 10, 12,000, 15,000, 18,000, maybe the cap there. Yeah. But then they need to renegotiate their next deal. So like if they won all their fights and how they won their fights, like if they're exciting and they're knockouts and they're building their brand and people like they talk enough like shit. So people are like, oh, we want them like, right. So it's like, there's a lot to it. Like you can't just be good, you know? So sometimes they say like, I heard this a while ago. Sometimes it's better to be known than to be best. Wow. So like if you just get known and recognized, like you can get paid more. Wow. So. That's crazy. Yeah. And then do you see, like where do you see the sport going with that as a battle? And obviously we're now seeing a lot of, there's a lot of other leagues out there that are competing now to try and you know take the mantle off the likes of the UFC. Like where do you see this sport going? I see a continuing increase. I mean, I'm just hoping the pay increases for these guys, yeah, you know. Cool. But I just feel like more and more people are getting involved with it. Yeah. You know, like I was out in Valentina's like last fight and like I turned around when they called her name went like that and like Tom Brady's sitting right there. I was like, T Brady. Yeah, what's up, dude? You know, that's and so it's like cool. all these celebrities are getting involved, yeah. showing up like Machine Gun Kelly, like Megan Fox, and they're all like walking backstage. So I just feel like it's like people, if it's like something to do at night on the weekend, like let's go see some fights. Yeah, like it's more exciting than going to see a basketball game or whatever it is. So I feel like it's on the rise and it's continuing to grow. So who knows? You know, I just hope the pay increases and people. So make it some more money. Just like Richie V, he's on the rise. <laughs> it's the only direction. Yeah. <laughs> so, bro, where can we, uh, if we're, we're listening today, we learn more about you. Where's the best way to get in contact? Yeah, um, hit me up on my Instagram, Richie Van Houten, and DM me if you have any questions or want to learn more about me or the gym. And yeah, come by and let's train. Train exactly. I'm gonna be doing it myself. Obviously, as I said, fellow 10,000 athlete, you'll see a lot of content across 10,000 as well. So. If you don't live in the Jersey area, I would say find a good jiu-jitsu gym and start training jiu-jitsu. There you go. 
Let's go. That's sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Put the jackets on. Yeah, the, the gi. The, is that what it's called? Yeah. The gi? So the gi with the belt and then no gi is just like shorts and, and t-shirt. It's funny because gi in my field is butter that's been clarified. So I'm really glad that we've got... What is it? Oh, gi butter. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. clarified butter. <laughs> It's, good like, man, it's good, it's so great, it's great. Coffee. Cooks well, it's great, it's great. Uh, but bro, um, you know, I'm, I'm gonna see a lot of you. So this is just you and I having conversation with cameras on, but uh, I have utmost respect for you. I'm pumped for you. And just stuff for you, man. I've been watching you for a long time. You're doing your thing. Let's so. keep sending it. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you, bro. Yeah.